A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. find out how ugly mankind can really be myself and the click are gonna dance all over your face talk about your psalms talk about john 316 austin 316 says i just whipped your ass it is the cultaholic classic raw review as the other cultaholic lads are on their way to Chicago via Saudi Arabia. We are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean off to Purgatory via Bulldog's Meat King restaurant. I be, who be we by the way? I be fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell. I'm with the mulligan to my O'Hare, the rambunctious Clive Fuck, aka Jackie Orlando. Jackie, you are looking resplendent today. I, I'm happy because the weather's gone crap, which means I can wear all my nice clothes again. So uh, today I'm dressed like your nan. In a, you in do a... look, you do look like my nan every every sense of the word. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing th- three woolen articles today, and I'm very happy. Isn't it nice to have like this weather again? I've missed it greatly. Yeah, I I, I hate the summer with a vengeance. <laughs> so when we had that heat wave the other week, I was just lying there, just like, I didn't ask for this September now, I want to eat stew. Um, <laughs> this so isn't now... what I asked for, mother. <laughs> mother, get Michael Fish on the telephone and tell him I am not pleased. <laughs> but yeah. Jumper Can't... weather is back in full force. Yes, almost almost time for big coat weather, which, uh, as we all know, I'm quite fond of. Have you played the Big Coat Pocket Lottery yet? No, I have not. Fun game to play, whereby if you haven't worn your winter coat in some time, just have a little rummage in the pockets first and see what you find. See what you left in there last year. Oh, my hamster. Hello, Neville. (laughs) Goodbye, Neville, also. Um, You may find uh, common common things to find are bits of random tissue, Mm -hmm. uh, half-eaten pack of chewing gum, Mm -hmm. And in the best case, a bit of money. Hey. Always nice. I've had a fiver in my winter coat pocket last year. <laughs> Milky bars were on you last year. Oh, I tell you what, I was. Uh, I rang Alex and said, we eating tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and then rang her back 10 minutes later and you're like, cancel that, I've bought a gold tooth. <laughs> cancel that. Uh, I've, bought, I've bought five hilariously shaped pegs from Poundland. <laughs> We haven't even got a clothes dryer. I know, but shush. 
They were fun. We can we can peg other things like we can peg close the packet of crisps or peg uh, Pablo's nipples, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then she said, "I'll peg you in a minute." I went, "Hey, steady on this is a family right. show." Hey, <laughs> bit of blue, bit of blue there. Bit of blue, but dance, right. and a bit of red from Monday Night Raw in 1996. That is what we are here to discuss. Uh, we are going back to October 28th of 1996. Uh, I can tell you, number one in the UK charts this week is the Spice Girls. They're back again, baby. Just so they've climbed back to number one, or is this a new new entry? Brand new one. Say you'll be there. Oh, what a tune! <laughs> it's the song that they sent. They initially wanted to be their debut single. Which, ooh, I don't know, because I think it is a better song than Wannabe, but Wannabe is such a good introdu- introduction to the, the Spice Girls world, to Spice World, um, <laughs> that I think is, <laughs> I think the record label got it right this time. I think they nailed it, didn't they? I think yeah. they did. Uh, it was, I think it was a song they wanted to make their first single anyway, and mm. uh, they went with Wannabe instead, and they thought, well, we'll hold off on that one. And I'm glad they did, because here it is. Uh, number one in the US charts is Macarena still. You'll be glad to hear. <laughs> it's the end of October. <laughs> he's, they... doing the, he's doing the Macarena in October. <laughs> Very tired people. I mean, I mean, I was I was at a wedding just the other week when Macarena came on. So the energy never dies. <laughs> was, energy... It you, was it you who put on your copy of the Macarena that you brought with you on CD? I can neither confirm nor deny that it was my copy <laughs> of the Macarena. Sleepers is number one in the US box office this week. It's the film mm-hmm. we talked about last week. But number one in the UK box office is the movie Dragonhearts. Do you remember Dragonhearts, Jackie Orlando? I went to see this in the cinema uh, and I can't remember anything about it. I, I know Sean Connery's the voice of a dragon. That That's is it, it, yes. He plays yeah. Draco the dragon. Uh, and so here's the so the plot is uh, the story of the young sickly king Ainon who was wounded in battle. And in order for him to survive, he was healed by Draco, a dragon played by Sean Connery. Some years later, Bowen, a dragon slayer, encounters Draco and they team up to form a traveling duo that perform an act whereby he slays the dragon. But the act is only known by themselves. So they'll basically, Draco will fly into places and go, ah, I'm going to get you. And then here comes Bowen, he'll pretend to slay the dragon and they'll make out like bandits for it. Uh, Now, from here, Bowen and Draco have to save an entire kingdom from the rule of the now evil King Ainon, who is part of uh, who is part of Draco, and Draco a part of him. That's mm. from IMDb. That is, I love it. Isn't it a little bit like Shark Tale? I've never seen Shark Tale. Where that, whereby he pretends to get mauled by a shark, does Will Smith? I'm trying to think what other films have done this kind of thing as well. There are a few. It's it's an old trope, isn't it? I mean, I mean, I mean, we do it every week because we're stealing a living very much that like is true. they were in Dragon Hearts. <laughs> I, I was just down just before we started recording because I got it in my head for some reason that we were recording at 10 and I went back and read the messages and you clearly said 11 and I signed off on it. So I went downstairs to talk to Sean about taxes and finance and I ended up just wittering on. I just went, I'm going upstairs now to get paid to witter on rather than doing it here for free. <laughs> so... Well, I'm sure she enjoyed the company. For the first 20 seconds, yes. <laughs> and then after that, she was like, bugger off now. I'm having some porridge and doing some accounting. And I was like, okay, see you later. 
Oh, bye then. See you later. Uh, so those are the big movies from this particular year, the big movies and the movements in the charts as well. On the small screen, we had two TV show debuts, Jackie Orlando. Mm. We had The Crocodile Hunter. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fantastic. Steve Irwin uh, and his wife, Terry, uh, basically bothering crocodiles with hilarious results. <laughs> Don't run, Terry. Don't run. Run, Terry. <laughs> run. <laughs> Fantastic TV. He's... It was like Saturday afternoons. It was on, I'm sure, on ITV. And my brother and his mates would have been about 18. And they'd all just like sit on the couch at like five o'clock on a Saturday afternoon watching Steve Irwin be a lunatic. It was brilliant. Uh, Also, the day before this episode of Raw airs, we get the first ever pop-up video on VH1. No, I was never a VH1 kid, so I'm, I'm not, oh. not aware of the format now. So basically, they play music videos, normally a lot of older ones, and you get little bits of info about the videos popping up in little oh. pop-up bubbles. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Ooh. Okay. And they just appear there, and it will contain trivia and uh, funny little one-liners about it. Uh, created by Woody Thompson and Tad Lowe, and it premiered this weekend in 1996. It became the highest-rated program on VH1 for a spell, just behind, ironically, behind the music in, until 1998. Uh, and uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. It just felt very quirky for a, for a, yeah. as a concept, just like a little audio, a visual audio commentary of, a, of your favorite songs. See, yeah, as soon as you explain the format, like, I know it very well. I just didn't realise it was a programming block. I just thought they just did that with videos in general. But then saying that, I wasn't watching in 96. I was probably first exposed to it in, like, the the early 2000s. So perhaps they were just like, we're just going to do this for videos throughout the day. That's probably what it was. Uh, In the video game world, this is the week that we see Command & Conquer Red Alert. It's a real-time strategy game from the Command & Conquer franchise. became one of their biggest selling titles. Uh, Was never a fan or a player myself, but the historical impact of this game is very much felt even to this day. Uh, An incredible uh, bit of video gaming uh, where allied forces battle an aggressive Soviet Union for control over European mainland. And you can take that control. Is this the one with uh, Tim Curry in it? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to the one place not ruined by the clutches of capitalism. (laughs) Spice! (laughs) Brilliant. I think Ric Flair would later star. In a Command and Conquer game. Yeah, he is, yeah. Um, just being Ric Flair. Just <laughs> But it's one of those where when you see like late 90s, early 2000s, Ric Flair in the ring against, you know, Triple H and people of the day, you're like, oh, there's just like, you know, an old man who was once in shape. When you take him out of the wrestling world and when you put him in like Command and Conquer and like military fatigues and stuff, you're like, he's a unit. He's massive. <laughs> He looks fat. He looks. He looks like a big deal when he's dressed yeah. like that. He really does. Tell you who else looks surprisingly hench. I discovered this week. Uncle Albert from Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> well, during the war, we all know what he got up to. <laughs> well, I think we know. Yeah, he was. He was clearly doing something to keep him strong because there was a, 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 a clip emerged online of him from the from one episode where he's in like a vest, and everyone went. Fucking Ali's hench. Yeah. <laughs> like, you just assume he was always... Your your mind tells you he was just like a frail old man, but now he's fucking ripped to shreds, was that boy. Is that why do you, think, you think they started putting him in the coat more and more? Because they were just like, we need to we need to hide the fact that he's quite handy with his fists. <laughs> I think that it, it went against 
what they were trying to sell for the mm. uncle Albert IP. So <laughs> whack him in a jumper, sit him in the chair, have him dodder around. Talking of Uncle Albert, have you have you watched the um, the trailer for the new series of Frasier yet? Oh, I have, I have. I'm not. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't know if it will be good, but I don't hate it. Uh, I was I was relieved that Rodders wasn't doing an American accent. I know, but I was still quite taken aback to see him not playing Rodney. Basically. <laughs> I wish I wish he was Rodney in it. And I and I'd love to think that they might even have some fun with the with that concept by maybe one day having Derek David Jason turn up looking for him. Or or, or and he has the, to reveal uh, his dark past as a trotter. Or I hope we meet his whole family and he's playing his wife and his kids like he did in those creepy WH Smith adverts. Oh my god. <laughs> Matthew Gregg on the Classic Smackdown Review has raged about those recently. Absolutely raged about them. They received, received loads of complaints because it just took the piss out of Geordie's. Oh, I can't, I can't remember it being Geordie-orientated. I just remember seeing it thinking, oh, that's that's unsettling, <laughs> seeing a, a whole family of Nicholas Lindhurst. Nicholas Lindhurst having sex with himself. There's a lovely image for you tonight. That was the series of Goodnight Sweetheart. We never needed <laughs> There was an. There's one more only Falls and Horses based banter that I could bring up here, and mm. it's something that I discovered this week. It only went online about a month ago. Uh, the unaired pilot for a show called The Kings of Van Nuys, mm. right? Which is the American version of Only Falls and Horses. Oh God Almighty! It's fucking awful. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. It's starring Dell and Donnie Trotter. Okay. But get this, Granddad, played by Christopher Lloyd. I know. I had mixed emotions about it too. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. They had a <laughs> and they had a wheeler dealer sort of gangster mate who'd sort them out with dodgy stuff to sell called Trigger. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, that's not Trigger, you fucking cowards. <laughs> hey, it's me, Trigger. Like, no. What are you doing? You idiots. <laughs> Oh my god! Right, uh, I was about to say I need to watch that, but uh, I really don't. No, misery loves company, and I'd enjoy it if you watched it. <laughs> watched it with me. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, we can't talk about that because we have to go back to 1996 now, uh, where you know we we have awful stuff that was aired on wrestling television and beyond. And here's Jackie Orlando to comb through Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer, written when Dog Meltzer was merely a glint. In a in a Doberman's eye. Uh, <laughs> what is all this I've missed with Dog Melter? Because Dave Melter has a dog. I know that much, but I just saw that it was like it's become like a cultaholic meme about Dog Melter. I was like, what? Don't be, it's it's more the fact that in a recent video podcast version of the Observer Wrestling Observer Live, Dave's chatting and Dog Melter just comes and sits next to him, mm. and it's lovely. And Dog Melter just looks just has this look of. Fed up with your bullshit, Dave. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be great if the dog was called like Ricky Joe Shoe or something like that. <laughs> Ricky Joe Woof. <laughs> Ricky Joe but, Chew Your Shoes. <laughs> but before Ricky Joe Chew Your Shoes was even conceived, we go back to the Wrestling Observer <laughs> newsletter dated <laughs> November 4th, 1996. Kenta Kabawaushi. <laughs> 
Mitzahauer Moose Spout. But, um, so, <laughs> I have... Usually, when I compile my notes from the newsletter, I unless it's something monumental happening in another company, I usually lead with the WWF news because we're the WWF podcast as opposed to the WCW podcast. But this week, holy sweet fucking Jesus. We have... I've been saying for months we're in the Attitude Era. You've not been convinced. This week, and especially next week, confirms we are here. Because the October 26th ECW Arena show in Philadelphia had a sellout estimated at 1,350 fans. It is said to have been a hot show. First of all, Chris Candido debuted, pinning Spike Dudley in a very good match. Candido was over huge, although he several times pointed to the stage area where Sonny was and there were huge chants of Sonny and Tammy along with chants of Skip is dead. After the match, Chris Candido kissed the ring and did a promo running down the WWF and talking about being there when ECW was first formed, doing a babyface promo, and said he'd help rebuild ECW because it's the shits now turning heel. But that's not the big news. Chris Candido was in the ECW arena that week, as was uh, there was an interview segment with Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle. He did oh! comment. He did commentary on the match with Taz beating Little Guido. Taz said that Angle was the best amateur wrestler in the world, but that he was going to show him the difference between the best amateur wrestler and the best professional wrestler. Okay. So then um, ECW world champion Sandman wrestles, and he beats two cold Scorpio. Uh, And then after the match, Tyler, Tyler Fullington turns up dressed like Sandman, and they start having a hug. But now here comes Raven, Stevie Richards, Blue Meanie, Supernova, and Laurie Fullington. And um, they crucified him. <laughs> oh, it's this one. Yeah, the beat, the cut open his eye, um, crucified him on a cross that apparently the Sandman himself built because he was a joiner in 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 his uh, nine to five. Uh, put a barbed wire crown on, and. Dave's put here, apparently this angle was even too extreme for ECW because after the intermission, Raven came out uh, out of character, said he was Scott Levy, apologised to anyone he may have offended for what happened. From what Dave was told, Kurt Angle backstage was really upset about it, thinking it might ruin his image and feeling double-crossed about being there, and there were some fans who freaked out about it. It's doubtful Kurt Angle will return. So, one of the most notorious and infamous moments in ECW history. Bloody hell. Imagine had they not done that angle. Oh, we would God. have seen Angle on ECW television. Imagine Kurt Angle versus Prime Taz. <laughs> <laughs> but we we've we've been it feels like we've been alluding to this for months because obviously there's been chatter in the newsletter about Kurt Angle's contemplating professional wrestling and this, that, and the other. And we've been like, oh, he'll end up in the WWF after a brief stop in, in Paul Heyman's house. So, uh, yeah, Kurt Angle's not signing with ECW anytime soon. And do you know what? I think even had that not happened, something else would have happened. Yeah. It would have put Kurt Angle off completely. Yeah. It, you know, he would have seen like Tommy Dreamer, you know, bleeding buckets or someone on fire or. Mike Awesome just being like, I'm going to just drop someone on concrete. Yeah, it's 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 saying that Mike Awesome's not going to be there properly for three years, but still, he could censor. He's clairvoyant. <laughs> He's got your clairvoyant powers, clearly. Exactly. Yeah, me, me and Kurt, we we communicate often. I'm just like, uh, how are your legs, Kurt? And he's like, I don't know who you are. Please get out of my head. <laughs> 
What an opening gambit. How are your legs, Kurt? <laughs> That's what I say to everyone. Want to see him? How are your legs? I was... <laughs> see, I was, I was about to say, I'm thinking about... I'd lo- I think about I'd love to make a t-shirt for this show and it's you just doing this with your hands like one finger on each side of your thought of your forehead and it just says my clairvoyant powers over the top. <laughs> I want to make it as a t-shirt. But I've having said that, I now just want to make a t-shirt that just says how are your legs? <laughs> <laughs> Let me we... know which one you'd buy. <laughs> Classic Classic at <laughs> what a pro, what a pro. What a pro late show, what a pro. <laughs> Oh, what a pro t-shirt as well. We've, we've got Adam says we need to cut back on the amount of memes and great banter we have because it's simply too hard to keep up with the law. Has he? Has he actually? No, he hasn't said that. It's going to say, no, I'll thought, challenge him. <laughs> just thought I'd heal him up a bit. So I said, come on, let's go to Bread King <laughs> <laughs> with Tom Billington. And then we'll hop forward. We'll get some, you know, we'll get some Bovril. We'll get the Communist Manifesto, <laughs> some lugs. We'll ask Kane what he's doing here, and then Dennis Norton will turn up. Hey, it's nearly, it's nearly Christmas special time. I was just talking about this with Sean, yeah, saying that I might have to message you and find out when we're planning on doing it. Oh, we well, I haven't set a date yet, but I reckon if we aim to get something recorded, sort of by mid to late November, I'll start writing something at the end of next month. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know what yet, but you, 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 there'll be something. There will be a Cultaholic Classic Review Christmas special, which will be so loaded with in-jokes that, no, that that nobody listening for the first time will be able to handle it for more than 12 seconds. Yeah, definitely not. It it's, is a reward for long-suffering fans. It's it, it's a re- Yeah, but it's also for us, because whenever we do it, you know, we get some crisps, we get some drinks. It's it, us being arseholes, pretending to be Kermit the Frog or whoever. I don't know. <laughs> Most of it is just us laughing over the, over my brilliant gags. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've had a potential idea for what we could do. I'll ping Ooh. it to you and see, see what you've got in mind. Ping it my way, boy. Mm. Lovely. Right. Meanwhile, in 1996, let's go in back. In 1996. Right. So one more bit of ECW news. Two Cold Scorpio is finishing up with ECW on November 16th before going full time with the WWF. So there's been no news of Scorpio signing with WWF, but in this newsletter, it's just like, oh yeah, this has happened. It's like, okay, Dave, did that one just kind of happen last minute? So he's, he's coming in, he'll be flashy, he'll be quite funky, and we'll have to wait and see what he's like. I don't think we're that far from his debut either. I think the turnaround from him leaving ECW to making his WWF debut is days almost. Yeah, and one of the most underrated in-ring performers of all time, I'd say, and WWF didn't have a clue what to do with him. So, <laughs> I mean, they had a clue. I don't think it was the right idea, but they certainly had an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had an idea which would... I'd, I'd say that without Flash Funk, I don't think The Godfather would have worked as well because I think the... Because obviously, you know, Charles Wright claims that he's involved in that world in real life. But I think because Flash Funk was kind of a pseudo-pimp, that they're just like, okay, so we tried it this way, it didn't work. Godfather, if you want to go this way and go all in on it, it will work and it worked in spades. Mm, so Embryonic Godfather. We've got some WWF news. Um, there is a bit on Brian Pillman, but we'll come to that when we talk about him in Raw. So 
this week, uh, Akim Albrecht should be in the ring within the next few weeks, which would be Brachus. And he's going to be doing house shows with Salvatore Sincere. Uh, the two are going to work out their match in the gym. Dave's, Dave's been told that Albrecht has a tremendous attitude when it comes to wanting to learn, which is the exact opposite of Mark Henry, apparently. Even though uh, a few weeks back, Albrecht blew out his knee and needed it scoped and also tore the back pack of Chris Candido as they were working on high spots. Apparently, he's just like, sorry, I'm just green and big. Let's 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 figure it out. And apparently, Mark Henry is just like, oh, you're paying me off the arse. I don't really care. So. See, this is always the issue, isn't it? When you've got guaranteed contracts with some people, they just go, oh, I don't need to bother anymore. Mm. I'm getting paid which we'll, regardless. Which we'll see with WCW um, with, with some of the higher talents in the next year or two, unfortunately. Mm, that is a shame. I'm sad that, well, the thing is, despite the attitude, Mark Henry will certainly go the distance and Bracus won't. Oh, yeah, Bracus will go to... ECW and get dropped on his head, I think, about five times only. <laughs> Without the comfort of a mattress. Oh, bloody mattress. But, but I was trying to find a way to make Bracca sound like mattress, but it won't work. Mattress. So instead, Mac did that which makes a mattress go. Um, <laughs> so as we've already mentioned, Chris Candido is now back in ECW. Uh, he walked out at the recent WWF TV tapings because they didn't have a role for him and wanted him to stay on um, as a coach to teach Brackus, Mark Henry and The Rock. But at this point in time, Chris Candido's 24 and he's like, I don't want to be a coach at 24. I can still go. No. See you later. So he's gone to ECW and probably all Japan it's saying. Um, There was an original idea for Candido to do an Eddie Gilbert type gimmick as a tag team partner with Barry Buchanan. Uh, who we won't see until the Truth Commission come, unless he appears before then. Uh, but the idea has been dropped anyway. Candido apparently is also leaving over heat with Shawn Michaels, because apparently Shawn would get upset at him using hot moves and preliminary matches on house shows, moves which he thought were apparently his domain. So, oh, no. Shawn, you big bastard. Sonny, even though she did appear at ECW, I, don't, I think she was just there in the crowd it sounds like and he was just like there's, there's me hot missus and she was like hello um, she has a lengthy big money contract with WWF she's staying although she won't be going on the road tours and her job will mainly be public appearances working TV nights and doing the Saturday morning live wire she's toned down the airhead bimbo part of her original role on the live wire show and is doing a role more like her real self over the past two weeks according to Dave that's good so. and I think that works better for her yes you know, because if you, you know, I think it leans into possibly her becoming more than just, as you say, like a bimbo esque character. Mm. If you can show that she's got sort of chops elsewhere. Yeah, because uh, ignoring everything that's happened to and everything Tammy Sitch has done in the last twenty five years since the character of Sonny, I think, is inherently likable. Um, and she's over; she's massively over. So they might as well just like give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. Talking of giving the people what they want, Barry Windham and Vader have bro- broken broken their feet. Um, <laughs> they say broken up. Yeah, you just like oh, we can't do this anymore. They were my um, favourite couple. Oh, imagine that power couple, that Jesus Christ, sweaty couple. Ooh. Barry uh, so, Windham and Vader breaking up in a cafe. So Barry Windham broke his foot at television, and Vader broke his foot uh, during the Boy Meets World tapings on. October 13th. So they taped a match, Vader versus Jake Roberts, at a WWF show, and they put that in Boy Meets World. 
So Vader worked the pay-per-view match with Sid on A Broken Foot, then missed TV in the house shows, and he was scheduled to work main events against Sean, but, you know, he was out of his broken foot. According to Dave, the original plan was for Vader to beat Sid at Buried Alive, and then to beat Michaels for the title at Survivor Series. The plan was changed, but Dave doesn't believe that the broken foot had anything to do with the change in plans. He says, you know, he's speculating now, perhaps Hart coming back and the idea they'll spend from now until Mania building for Hart Michaels. They didn't want them to muddy the waters by switching the title earlier. Perhaps it's something else. Um, according to Dave as well, Vader and Farouk, and it says here, Farouk was supposed to win the Intercontinental title, but he's out of action until November 17th with a badly torn groin. They were both told they had to switch the original plans and not give them the belts because J.J. Dillon was at the meetings uh, where those long-term plans have made. So basically, they're saying, oh, J.J. Dillon was here. He he knows the plans, but he's at WCW, so he'll give it away, blah, 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 blah. Oh, for God's sake, really? And Dave said, well, if it's a good plan, it doesn't matter if it gets leaked because if it's a good plan, it's a good plan. If they're changing it, it's probably because they realized it would be a bit crap. <laughs> But it's going to get leaked anyway, and then we're reading about it now. Exactly, yeah. So I think WWF are just trying to save the feelings of Vader and Farouk and not risk a pace thing. Yeah, that's but, it. There's going, oh no, we just, it was, it's not you, it's us. And well, talking about it's not you, it's us, Jesus Christ, WWF being arseholes again. On the Livewire show a few weeks back when Ahmed Johnson was on, a caller rang in, said they were black, a black male, and asked about racism in the WWF, and Ahmed Johnson said there wasn't any. This was a plant, and the black male on the phone was Kevin Dunn. Oh, God. Oh, God. And we'll hear stories from Ahmed saying that, you know, he experienced racist abuse while he was in WWF, so I don't know if this is them hearing of it already and trying to nip it in the bud before nip it in the bud from the dirt sheets rather than actually doing anything about it it sounds like yeah it doesn't sound like they're solving the problem they're just sort of addressing the bad pr mm. Kevin. <laughs> oh god i know i know so do we see the view we've got some <laughs> chunky then, is that then they, then they went so uh is is uh is wrestling for everybody on the line right now is 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 sophie Sophie Dunn. Hello, I am a woman from a family. Do you think <laughs> wrestling is for women like me as well? <laughs> yes, yes, Sophia, it is indeed for women as well. Thank you, I must go and iron my cakes. Bye. <laughs> I'll iron your cakes at the minute. She sounded fit. <laughs> Jerry Lawler salivating the other end of the phone. <laughs> So, <laughs> moving on to WCW, and this is an angle which yourself and Sam Driver will be covering soon. We've just had Halloween Havoc, and at Halloween Havoc, Roddy Piper has turned up. Mm. Um, so, details of Piper signing with WCW aren't available, other than the deal was for a combination of doing movies and appearing on WCW TV events, and probably some rare pro wrestling matches. Similar to what we've heard recently, WCW's pitch to Bret Hart, pitch to Bret Hart was like, "We'll we'll give you movies, we'll give you wrestling, we'll give you a reduced um, road schedule, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But whereas this sounds like, "Oh, well, they haven't got Bret, so they've given his deal to Piper." Apparently, they were doing both at the same time anyway. So the plan was always to bring in Piper. Um, 
Vince McMahon found out on the Friday. Uh, He didn't find out from Roddy himself. Apparently, over the past seven years, there have been numerous attempts by WCW to sign Piper, all of which resulted in Roddy return to the WWF. It almost become an inside joke in the industry that Piper would negotiate with WCW just to get the word out to WWF, which would then bring him back, presumably at an increased rate. People still do it to this day, I think. Jericho, I know, did Jericho do it with TNA? I think Edge may have done it. Orton has definitely done it. Uh, smart, why wouldn't you? Amazing. My my fear would be is that they call you bluff on it. Yeah. I, I, if it were, knowing my luck, it would be like, oh, Vince, yeah, so I was chatting with, um, chatting with uh, Impact Wrestling. They want to bring me in for a billion pounds. And it's like, oh, that's great. You should go. Oh, yep, yep. Bye well, then. At, the, <laughs> at this point in 96, um, Howard Finkel's just tried doing this with Bischoff. Not Howard Finkel, sorry. Uh, mean Gene. Mean Gene. And he's- yes, I, I heard I heard this rumor as well. <laughs> he's like, oh, Vince is going to bring me back on millions. And Bischoff's gone, is he now? Okay. And Mean Gene was like, he's not really. Can I have a new contract? He's like, yeah, but at a reduced rate. And he's gone, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did Mean Gene around this time start the rumor that he'd be joining the New World Order? Yeah, which we were saying about recently. <laughs> we were saying about recently that on paper it makes sense, but in practice it would have been awful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Roddy Piper's return, oh sorry, his debut in WWE was leaked on Livewire because uh, there was a Jim Ross hotline tease to call the hotline and find out about the wrestling plans of Roddy Piper and if he would sign with a rival organization. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jim Ross didn't say he'd be debuting a Halloween Havoc because that would cause some people to buy the pay-per-view. So he's just like, yeah, he's going to be in WCW. See you later, Roddy. Um, oh. So there are other WCW bits. Many within WCW have seen Piper as something as of a replacement for Randy Savage, whose contract expires in a few weeks and still hasn't signed. Um, so... Savage will take on Hogan at Halloween Havoc, and we'll you know we'll see how that one pans out. Um, I'm just going through my notes here because I haven't daved this as much as possible. <laughs> as Dave's put here, it's, it's questionable how much life was really left in Savage since his personal performance of late, both in and out of the ring, has been poor. He says that, you know, Roddy Piper won't go on the roads like Randy does. The idea is for him to maybe work three or four pay-per-view matches a year and do interviews regularly on Nitro, where his name, charisma, and familiarity will solidify WCW's hold on the older audience that controls the Monday ratings. While not uh, in stone, the belief is that Piper will wrestle Hogan at Starcade. Talking of Hogan, Hogan has recently signed a three-year deal with WCW, and this just went was confirmed four days before Halloween Havoc. Um, with Hogan saying, saying he spurned a supposed five-year offer from the WWF. As we know with Hogan, trust him as far as you can throw him. <laughs> but, NWO Hogan, you're thinking if you're Vince McMahon, if you're hearing word that, you know, Hogan's potentially going to leave WCW, that you would at least chat with him anyway. But, Right. Hogan was claiming to have received a monstrous offer from WWF said to be $5 million per year on a five-year deal. So that's $25 million, which would have theoretically, if you choose to believe the stories, started with a surprise appearance, winning the Royal Rumble and leading to another WWF title reign as a heel. Oh my God. So So fuck uh, everything else off. Hogan's number one. Yeah. 
show instead. He'll stay with WCW. Where fuck everything else off. Hogan's number one. Um, <laughs> and as we we just mentioned, Gene Oakland as well. He he has he is scheduled to return on October twenty eighth. Nitro. The two sides still haven't reached a contract agreement. Dave believes the deal with Mean Gene is he's been offered around one hundred and eighty grand to work five dates per month. So that's one pay-per-view and four Nitros and would have no office or hotline duties. So easy schedule for Mean Gene. Money for... I love Mean Gene Oakland. Probably the best to ever do it in that backstage capacity. But 180 grand a year is monstrous money in 1996. Uh, You're cutting in and out a bit there, Jackie Orlando. I'm sorry to report. Oh, bollocks. Yeah, it did say that my internet was a bit poo. Let me just... <laughs> is that what it came up as? Your internet is a bit poo. It's a bit poo right now. Let me just change over. I might jump out and in again, so see Yeah, that's like... fine. Oh, bollocks. I'll just wait here. That should be okay. Is that okay? I think so. You haven't cut yeah. out yet. Lovely. Okay. Hey, there right. we go. So yeah, um, WCW have offered yeah Mean Gene one hundred and eighty grand a year to work five dates per month, one pay per view, four nitros, no office, no hotline duties. hundred and eighty grand a year in nineteen ninety six is amazing. That's so good. And he was upset that it was less. Apparently so. And I love Mean Gene Oakland, but is he worth one hundred and eighty grand a year? So, oh, that's a good question. I, I found him quite a, a mixed bag on WCW, watching Nitro every week. Mm. I think sometimes he very much adds to the scene. I feel a lot of the time he chews it. Mm. And it's, I wouldn't, would you put someone else in there? I mean, the argument is like WWF, WWE went through a spate of having backstage interviewers that literally just had nothing about them, just generic. Yeah boards of people that held a mic and just said you're having a match and that's it and that was it like i think you need someone that has a little bit of charisma about them a little bit of personality about them and then to to, to work through the process and make sure that the wrestlers are the stars that come out of it but i feel like mean gene on quite a few occasions almost tries to outwit and outshine the wrestler Mm. there's a few interviews where like the rest of will say his last line and Gene will get like a little quip or a witticism in that puts them down and doesn't add to anything. So yeah. he's quite guilty of that is mean Gene. And I think that's, that, that is, uh, that, that is, a, 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 that goes against what the show is trying to do. So I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay him 180 grand at this point. No, I think it's the mixture of what you said about him sometimes going into business for himself ish, yeah. getting himself over, but also just, the the dollar amount of 180 grand a year is loads like so it's more than some wrestlers on that roster oh 100 percent, yeah madness so we've got one last little bit of news from triple a in mexico and uh shit has hit the fan apparently so tv azteca held a press conference which had extensive coverage including on the evening news the top rated talk show in mexico covered in all area newspapers nationally uh, throughout Mexico by Associated Press as Conan, Rey Mysterio Jr. and the rest of the AAA wrestlers that work for WCW jumped from the group to form their own promotion. So Con- Conan's been in a bit of a power struggle recently because as we, as is known, he was, as people say, that the Mexican Hulk Hogan, super draw, one of the biggest of all time in that um, in, in Mexico 1996 the ratings aren't as good as they were in like 93, 94 but Conan's still a big deal 
and he's the liaison for getting AAA talents booked in WCW. But Conan in AAA, when the territories he runs, prefers like an ECW-style, more kind of blood, gimmicky, crazy show, whereas some of the purists don't like that. So they've split off, basically. Um, so the the big news from this, though, so Conan's group, it's split into two, two groups. Promel, own identity and name, with uh, Mascara Año 2000 as the president, traditional Lucha Libre style, stricter rules, 20 counts, etc., etc., etc. Conan's group is Promo Azteca, which we've said, more ECW style in its approach. So they would bring in Americans from WCW, said, and the top names in the group are Conan, Rey Mysterio Jr., Super Kalo, Psychosis, Juventud Guerrera, and Vampiro. So Conan and Vampiro have never haven't gotten on because they were the two biggest draws in the early nineties in Mexico. But now they've gone, sod it, let's combine our powers. Let's do it. Why not? Jeez, that's a super force that is. Yeah, and it, it'll be a couple of years until Vampiro makes his way to WCW. Um my only really exposure to Vampiro was that late 99 2000 run in wcw i thought he was really cool at the time i've never watched any of his stuff from mexico but all accounts say that he was just super over so nice they've uh they've uh combined forces and that's all the news this week well that's a terrifying thought from mexico one that mm. uh will change the shape of that and will that become what will that show be called it, it it doesn't say it. It just says promo Azteca. Um, it's just its own thing because I know there will be other movements in this, and we we know that WWF will eventually incorporate a Lucha Libre show, won't they? Was a Super Astros will come into play at some point. So, um, it 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 seems like there's just there's just so much real estate to go around, Tom. There is a lot of real estate to go around. But the real estate we are focusing on, on this, is this lovely bit in 1996. This lovely little 1996 number called Monday Night Raw. Mm. From October 28th, 1996. Now we know the lay of the landscape in the world of pro wrestling. Let's watch Raw from this particular week. And we get shocking footage to start us off with Steve Austin beating the shit out of Brian Pillman. What's this all about? We'll find out a little bit later on. Bret Hart is in Calgary next to a lovely fireplace. And Steve Austin is in a studio in Stamford looking like someone has just pissed on his cornflakes. We're <laughs> getting a live tete-a-tete a little later on ahead of their planned match at Survivor Series. This is going to be a very interesting journey to go on with these two tonight. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Plus, Shawn Michaels faces in the main event his old rival, the British Bulldog! Main event, Davey! Main event! Oh, oh! Main event, Davey! Main event! Oh, oh! He's in the main I'm event. Going, I'm, I'm going to be, not only am I going to be the tag champions, I'm also going to be sexy boy champion as well. Shawn, <laughs> oh. if I beat you, I'll become number one sexy boy. Diana said, well, I, I gave her a quid to say it, but she says I am. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to be in that Playmobil magazine as well. <laughs> Can't wait to get my knob out. Bulldog gets his knob out. <laughs> 
I could do what Sean does, get me knob out and play my bill. <laughs> That's really tickled me. <laughs> what? It's the magazine. Oh, it's, it's, it's great. It said if this does well, does well, I'll have an editorial in Duplo Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building my career like I'm building stickle bricks. <laughs> Remember stickle bricks? I do. Anyway, bye. That's my column. <laughs> but we are opening tonight with a debut, kind of, mm. sort of. Of the real Double J. Jesse James is here, out to Alone With My Baby Tonight, the theme music that he sang, as we've discovered over the past few weeks, with those tell-all interviews with Jim Johnston. Mm. Uh, J- Jesse James on his way to the ring. Uh, Vince is putting over the fact that he sang Alone With My Baby Tonight. And also, they show some footage of Desert Storm. Yeah, which really doesn't go with the characters. Like, oh, here he goes. He's a singing man. He's got, like, music note lights and everything. He's got the full works. And it, here he is in uh, Iraq. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay. It was a weird thing just to ch- chuck in there, whether or not they were worried that people wouldn't truly get behind Jesse James. So now we're the twats if we don't cheer for yeah. him because he was in a war. It's what we call the Lacey Evans effect. Yeah, and it's always effective. <laughs> Former WWE star Lacey Evans will prove that. The the only person who will get over with this is John Cena, who never actually served. He just turned <laughs> up, did some weird crap salute, and started wearing camo jorts. And everyone was like, he's a soldier in. Armed forces. <laughs> yeah, he's facing Salvatore Sincere in his debut. And Sincere and James have a very slow match to start off Monday Night Raw. Jesse James thankfully picks up the pace with a crossbody and a hair pull, and he rocks sincere with some some sort of prototype bulldog, sorry, a road dog sort of mm. shuck and jive style moves, uh, and then back elbows him uh, to the floor. It's a very plodding affair. Jesse James doing Elvis-like dance moves with some of his strikes, and then wraps it up with a pump handle slam for the win. Sands the road dog humping. Uh, this <laughs> wasn't the most exciting of debuts, I must say, Jackie Orlando. No, most of it was just Road Dog running the ropes for some reason. It was he was, you can tell he's a Memphis boy who's come straight from Memphis here because he's just doing. It seemed quite dated. Um, obviously, this is the man who is a better sports entertainer than Bret Hart. They're Jesse James's <laughs> words, not mine. But even though this wasn't a very good match and. Double J didn't look great. His charisma still shined through. And I don't know if that's me knowing what's to come, looking back on it, thinking, oh, it'll be all right. Or if this is like me taking this at face value before, ah, this was harmless. It felt like a superstars match rather than a raw match, though. Yeah, it didn't feel like a, a scintillating debut on Monday night television, but it was what mm. it was. And I guess they had to do it on Raw because they've been telling this story on Raw for weeks. So yeah. you had to do it here. Uh, we cut to Doc Hendricks, who is running down the Survivor Series card. It's like a picture-in-picture type thing where Doc Hendricks is on the right-hand side of the screen and the Survivor Series card is on the left. And then Steve Austin just completely breaks the fourth wall at this point. This was great. As Doc <laughs> Hendricks is talking to the camera all animated and shit, suddenly Steve Austin's head pokes up from the right-hand side of the screen. 
And he just, yeah, he says, no one cares about a old fart going into the Hall of Fame. I was like, I haven't heard someone called an old fart in so long. It was great. It was so, loved it a lot as he was uh, uh, running down who was going to get in the Hall of Fame section. He told Doc Hendricks to get him on the camera and do his goddamn job and uh, Steve Austin storms off. Austin's just in this studio all day, just in a pissy mood. And it's my favorite Steve Austin. Yeah, because he, he's saying that he, he was fuming because he was like, well, Bret Hart gets the, you know, call in from his home in Calgary. He's like, why did I have to fly in from Texas? It's he's a like, this valid is... point. Yeah, he's absolutely furious. <laughs> uh, shaken, Doc Hendricks does continue running down the Survivor Series card. Uh, we get uh, Mark Marrow's Survivor Series team taking on Hunter Helmsley's Survivor Series team uh, with a low-key mention of on Mark Marrow's team, WWF rookie... Rocky Maivia. Mm. Very low-key <laughs> mention of yeah. the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Yeah, because we, we saw him briefly last week with his big sideburns. You and I started breakdancing in our respective studios. But yeah, it's it's going to be a rough first couple of months and then it'll get very fucking good. So mm. it's okay. <laughs> We're recording this. We're a week ahead. So you'll have heard... Uh, the latest episode uh, the other day, but we were recording this a few days after The Rock's mm. surprise SmackDown return. Yeah. Well, what well, a moment were, that was. While you were all out on the piss in Newcastle. Oh, I, I mean, admittedly, I was back home by that point. I was, uh, so it was the work summer party in the rain uh, on Friday, and we'd all gone to the, the pub for the last part of the evening, and Alex joined me, which is lovely, and uh, we got to about half maybe half nine, ten o'clock. And Alex, we chatted with Alex and she went, are you a bit tired? And I went, do you know what, I'm knackered. And she went, shall we just shall we just sneak off now? I think we told maybe Aidan and his lovely lady, Carla, that we were going. And yeah. uh, we said, if anyone asks, we've gone. So we just snuck off. We had a pint at our local and then went to bed. Not bad, not bad at all. But yeah, then I, I woke her. up and then The Rock was there. Yes. Not at the like... party, admittedly, at, at, on SmackDown in Denver. I thought you were going to say, in your flat then. Like, wake up. <laughs> Have you got any pepper army? I'm starving. Um, I, I'm glad it was a, a lovely, if not tiring, night, though. It was a lovely night, had by all. We all uh, yeah. we, we drank the bar dry. Uh, that bar has since closed. It wasn't our fault. It was shutting anyway, but we're going to claim that it was our fault. Oh, was it closed down, has it? Yeah. His oh. house burnt down. Um that's been on a t-shirt. Now, uh, yeah, it was it was due to close anyway, so I think it was maybe like the last weekend of business that they had before they shut. Yeah. Um, okay. we'll, we'll say okay. it was our fault. <laughs> yeah, because I got, I got a message from Pachiti like the day before saying, you're coming up tomorrow. I was like, oh, no. I was like, I was, I was up the other week and I've seen you all, but I was also like, I didn't want to say to him, I'm straight edge, Adam. I'm not going to get a train for three hours to go to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, I was like, no, I, I did have stuff planned that weekend anyway. I was like, I'm getting some tattoo work, so let me know when the Christmas one's getting sorted, and I'll I'll sort travel for that. Yeah, get up here for the Christmas day. It'll be a lovely time. Uh, Austin interrupts once again when he hears Bret Hart is in Calgary, as Doc Hendricks says. Oh, we're going to hear from Bret Hart in Calgary. He's pissed off because he's in WWF HQ, as Atkins was saying, mm-hmm. uh, and he promises to kick somebody's ass tonight. We cut to Bret Hart, who has Smokey, his cat, on his lap. <laughs> he's a great lad, Bret Hart. He's playing with his lovely little cat. It's the only time in his life he's ever looked happy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing when you consider the amount of pussy he got on the road. Oh, there he is. 
Uh, al- although, knowing Bret Hart, I'm surprised he didn't call his cat Bret Hart. <laughs> <laughs> but also, in true keeping with Bret Hart, he, the cat's called Smokey because he's a grey smoky colour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying Bret Hart's boring. No. He's <laughs> like... I don't like all these gimmicks today, so please meet my new cat, Cat, <laughs> cat Heart. Cat you know, Heart! He's, he's a real straight shooter, he's a real jam-up guy, and uh, I believe he's going to be a very good uh, cat. Do you want to say hi, Cat? <laughs> oh, meow. Yep, yep, great. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> Christ. Uh, back to the ring we go because we're going to have a chat with Bret Hart and Steve Austin in a bit and oh I forgot mm. things to say about that um, Mark Marrow uh, is on the phone during the next match the match is Crush with Clarence Mason facing Aldo Montoya mm. I haven't seen Crush on Raw in a little bit and I must no. say I forgot he existed <laughs> uh, Mark Marrow on the blower talking about what happened last week and the screw job the setup all along from Hunter Hearst Helmsley and Mr. Perfect. He is perfectly pissed off, says Mark Marrow. He plans to pull Perfect's scrawny blonde hair out of his head. And he warns Hunter that he's become the hunted. And at Survivor Series, he's going to get a piece of him. Oh. I, I thought this was actually quite good from Mark Marrow. It wasn't just bland man with a moustache that he said. He even said the word pissed off on the phone. Yeah. Which good. Baby faces can and should be angry. Rather than just being like, oh, silly me, I've been duped again. We'll settle it like the we should with rules. No, if you're pissed off, you're pissed off. Great. I think it's, yeah, just because you're positive all the time, it doesn't make you right and you should be allowed to be a bit trite and arrogant and, yeah. and, and, and not arrogant, trite and angry and, yeah. uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, Aldo, anyway, he has a brief hope spot snuffed out by a heart punch and crush wins. Uh, Jim, <laughs> Jim Ross Did- called this match... Uh, already because he's upset that he has to call a preliminary match like Crush versus Aldo Montoya. Oh. Uh, we saw JR, uh, they asked JR, who do you think will win? And he went, well, Crush, obviously. Did uh, did you see the face that Crush was pulling? <laughs> Where he was doing moves and then he was pulling the face as if to say, yeah, I'm dead good. But he just looked like he'd stubbed his toe. He was going, <laughs> cheer me he was trying <laughs> to look angry but instead looked pained did you hear what um or have you noted down about what jim ross was saying about farouk and ahmed johnson yes so jr reveals on commentary that clarence mason is now managing farouk I didn't mm. hear him say ahmed johnson though i might have been mistaken well, well he said that farouk's set to sue ahmed johnson and that's why he's got clarence we can expect but, um, big changes, says JR. Yes. So I did I did a bit of... Um, I, I went a little ahead in time because Jim Ross said, okay, he's going to be on Livewire on Saturday and we're going to see some big cha- changes from Farouk. And I went and watched this on YouTube and oh my God. Oh my God, Tom. Yes. The blue helmet is officially gone, I yeah! feel. Because on Livewire, they got Ahmed on the phone. Todd Pettengill and Sonny have Ahmed on the phone. And, you know, Ahmed does an Ahmed promo. Um, and then in comes Farouk in a leather jacket and a little leather hat on his head with the, um, like, green, yellow, and red stripes on it. 
and he calls Ahmed Johnson an Uncle Tom, which is a derogatory oh, yeah. term. And um, the words, Clarence Mason says that they are forming a nation of domination. Oh, really? Yes, they officially use the term nation of domination and Farouk is just, he's Farouk now. Um, there was a cute bit though when he walks in, he's like looking at, Todd Pettengill, like, you're an arsehole. But Sonny goes, hi, Farouk. And he goes, oh, hello. And they shake hands because obviously they've got a passport. Yeah, this is um, the start of the nation. So Wow. I didn't realize we got that name so quickly. Yeah, as, as yeah, the, the next uh, live wire, so a couple of days after this. Fantastic. So next, uh, I think Dave was saying that Farouk's expected to be out until the end of November. Um, I don't know if he's back in time for Survivor Series or not. I can't remember, but... It seems like it'll be a new and improved Farouk when he does return. Wonderful. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We get a recap of last week's setup all along between perfect... Oh, I forgot a bit from the first match. I apologize. Re- flip reverse. So anyway, oh. Crush wins with a heart punch. Aldo yeah. didn't stand a chance. Crush is livid with jailbird signs that are in the front row. Mm. And Clarence is trying to calm him down, but he gets so cross with it, he attacks a security guard and gets led away. So Clarence Mason might be having to bail Crush out again. And tell you what, you know, who I've got here, who cares about the match? It was all about the stories being built elsewhere, but the post match was pretty good. It it feels this episode of Raw more than any other feels like the what Raw will become and what Nitro will do well. It's that unpredictable chaos factor it's like anything can happen is crush battering security guards is steve austin having a moan and interrupted other people's sets and stuff like that it's yeah this the, i i like the post-match it saved the actual segment for me the actual match mm, yeah <laughs> a recap of last week's setup all along between perfect marrow and helmsley it was then revealed on wf superstars by perfect that because of his actions monsoon has suspended him indefinitely from an in-ring return oh what a great way to get around that lloyd's of london's insurance deal that you've got which means you can't wrestle well i I think um i I don't usually put in kind of ratings information because 
to me personally, I don't find it that interesting. Oh, one got a 4.2, the other got a 3.1. Okay. But apparently loads of people who were tuned into Raw were just like, oh, Mr. Perfect's coming back. And as soon as it was made clear that Mr. Perfect wasn't coming back, they all went, well, what's going on on Nitro? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Not having any of that. Oh, that's a shame for him. However... He can't wrestle, but he isn't suspended from the Karate Fighters Tournament presented by Milton Bradley. Hey. Uh, he is in first round action. They're doing a legitimate tournament uh, in the for the Milton Bradley Karate Fighters Sponsorship of Survivor Series. And Phineas Godwin is facing Mr. Perfect in an opening round match. Uh, the pig says it's going to be more fun than Granny's dinner to play Karate yeah. Fighters. <laughs> I <laughs> mean... Wee doggy. Talking as your nan, yeah, Karate Fighters is better than my dinner, so whatever that means. <laughs> Mr. Perfect is choosing the Karate Fighter character, Headstone. But he says it doesn't really matter who he's going to play as because he'll always win. And you know what? It's true. It genuinely doesn't matter which Karate Fighter you play as. They all do the same thing. They just dress slightly <laughs> differently. Soz, not Soz Milton Bradley. <laughs> uh, commentary on the Karate Fighters match by Carve Albert. Yeah, I... I I didn't. I get didn't this. get this. No, and and I did try and understand it. I'm not one of those podcasts that just goes, "I don't get it." So it's obviously shit. So I will. Uh, any older, uh, any vi- certain vintage of a certain vintage. If you're a classic raw review uh, enjoyer, classicoccultaholic.com. If you could help us understand this reference, that'd be appreciated. Thank you. Yeah. Th- I'm, I'm, I'm specifically going to appeal to our friends across the pond as well yes. because I, I have a feeling it must be some kind of American sportscaster. Uh, Mr. Perfect and Phineas Godwin are fighting in the Karate Fighters Coliseum, which is a Mortal Kombat level if I ever did see one. I love the <laughs> set that they've got, like this dungeon where they're doing the matches. It was a dungeon filled with doom. Um... <laughs> yeah, just off to the right. You just, <laughs> you've got the Taskmaster. And King Curtis Ike sat there just like, oh, someone bring me a butty. <laughs> Have a move for a week. Solomon, my son! My hemorrhoids are fucking awful! <laughs> oh, it would be if he was sat there covered in cobwebs. Oh. Anyway, Mr. Perfect cheats by telling Phineas Godwin that Dolly Parton's behind him and that allows him to kick his karate fighter off his karate fighter stand and win the Milton Bradley tournament open round. Um, we all know that I am a karate fighter's aficionado, but if someone said to me, hey, Dolly Parton's there, I'd be like, oh, Dolly, where? So it, it was a sound tactic. Sound, got me. sound tactic that would have worked on any hot-blooded person. <laughs> Next week, Brian Pillman will be live from his home, and Steve Austin interrupts at this point, saying he'll have to go and have a party with the, quote, crippled freak. I'm sure that will be a segment that will just float by and not be... One that goes down in infamy. Yes, and it's definitely a new generation era segment. Hey, stop it. Now, (laughs) from here, we see footage of what has happened to Brian Pillman. They've been teasing it all night. And it's from WWF Superstars. Pillman interviewed Stone Cold Steve Austin about his upcoming match with Bret Hart. And just as Pillman is signing off, describing Steve Austin and the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be Bret Hart, Austin sees red and chop blocks Brian Pillman, still recovering from that leg injury as a result of his car accident. He then takes Brian Pillman's own cane to his leg, taking his leg from under his leg, and then puts a steel chair around the leg of Brian Pillman and stomps on it very aggressively 
And this is the night of the first ever pilmanizing in wrestling history. Yeah. Yeah. I like the fact that it's still to this day just called pilmanizing and it's such it's such a good visual and I still don't understand how they do it without it hurting. It's one of those where you look at it and you're like, that does look like it would really hurt. I would assume that you if you're you're the pilmanizee mm. uh you'll have your leg in the chair and I assume that you'll just bear down with all your weight on the chair so the leg yeah. doesn't pop up. Yeah. So when the guy jumps on there, like you're bearing down with your weight, so the chair, the the, the chair seat can't move anyway. Yeah. Or maybe but the it's... chair is upside down, so therefore the mechanism would normally flip outwards. Instead, tries to flip down, but it's flipping the canvas, so it doesn't move. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it, regardless, this looked class and made Steve Austin look like an absolute killer. It's great. It was the, just the most aggressive we've seen Steve Austin. Uh, afterwards, ambulances try and take Brian Pillman away, but Austin stops. I am finished with you and takes the keys out of the ambulance and chucks them down the road. Like, fuck off. Fuck off. He's <laughs> staying here. Just, he, does, he doesn't get in the ambulance and batter him. He just throws the keys, goes, yeah. Sit there, then shit at. <laughs> <laughs> Just leaves him there with a with a completely shattered leg. Uh, Steve Austin uh, is being reprimanded by Vince McMahon for his appalling treatment of his best friend Brian Pillman. A little nod to the Hollywood Blonde days. Mm. Nice. Steve Austin tells Brian Pillman he should have known. DTA brother, don't trust anybody. You thought I was your friend. You were the biggest puppet in the world, and I had the strings. He's a cripple with a stupid raspy voice with 33 operations. Who gives a crap about all of that? Vince McMahon is livid as this is going on, and he he is desperate for Gorilla Monsoon to take action against Steve Austin. And here, Steve Austin fucking not only pulls the strings, but he fucking pulls the curtain back as well and says, Gorilla Monsoon is just a puppet. You're the one pulling all the strings, Vince McMahon. Why don't you do something? I'll tell you why. Because you're a greedy, selfish promoter and you know Stone Cold and Bret Hart are going to get it on in the biggest match of the decade. You're going to fill your back pocket. I'm going to make a lot of money from this match, but I'd sooner kick his ass for free. Like, yes! I'm sure, yeah, in the previous few weeks, there's been someone else has kind of alluded to the fact that Vince is the boss, so they are leaning into it more, definitely. But the, the way that Austin like absolutely doesn't even lean into yeah. it, just goes, yeah. you're the fucking boss of the company. Stop telling Gorilla to do something. Why don't you do something about it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't trust anybody. Stone Cold battering people. Stone Cold saying, Vince McMahon, you're a knobhead. Oh, oh, oh. it just warms the cockles of your heart, doesn't it? So far, this has been absolute fire from Steve Austin ahead of his match with Bret Hart. Right. Yeah. We now cut picture in picture to Bret Hart in Calgary with his two kids on his lap smiling. <laughs> Austin looks fucking furious at this. Vince asks Bret if he saw what happened to Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. We don't know because... Brett is answering, but we could barely hear him. 
over the sound of... <laughs> and it's one thing that Brett's quiet anyway, but he's now being overpowered by the sound of stripper music playing in the arena. <laughs> Did you see what happened to Pillman? Well, Vincent, I'll brought it on. Da 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 da. I roared laughing at this because Brett looks so fucking stupid unintentionally. Vince then cuts away, and there we see Sonny in a red number walking down the aisle. What I gleam from this, it was a production snafu. They weren't meant to go back to Brett and Austin that quickly. They were meant to uh. have the sunny match and then come back to it. Uh, but So there was a miscommunication behind the scenes, which meant that Brett's answer was... They like they started the bit, but they went, no, we've, we've got to keep going because we're live. Like, we have to just, just interrupt this. Yeah. So and they did yeah. cut, and Vince looked a bit annoyed for a minute or two. Yeah, because you see Vince stand up instead, and he kind of changes it, and he's just looking at Sonny and goes, Sonny! Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like, trying to twist it as if, like, oh, she's just come out here to take the spotlight off Brett and Austin and make it all about her. So he's on the fly yeah. going, oh, Sonny's coming out here on purpose to to do all this. I've got a little bit from The Observer uh, about Brian Pillman that I alluded to earlier, just before we move oh, to the next segment. Please do. So he... Um, the, the reason they did this uh, segment, the Pilmanizing, was he had ankle surgery on October 23rd in Cincinnati once again. Um, so this is writing him out because uh, Pilman's ankle didn't heal properly from the previous surgery. So they had to re-break it and start the healing process from scratch. It will be at least six months before you'll be able to wrestle again if it heals properly this time. That's so just, down. yeah. It, but, I mean, making, as they always say, chicken salad out of chicken shit fuck me you've got austin over now as like the absolute mega heel mm, you really do so they've used it they've used this unfortunate uh, bump in the road for brian pillman to just mm. make steve austin even more psychotic which is absolutely the right thing to do oh yeah 100 percent the right thing to do so we have a wrestling match now happening uh, and it's billy gunn in a solo action against freddie joe floyd uh, Billy mm. is making uh, eyes at Sonny throughout this match. He's very making it very clear that he still wants to be with her. And also kind of alludes to the fact that they are now back together. Despite the fact yeah. that Sonny's going, oh, well, I don't think we are. Like, she's been very coy about it. But she, she, Yeah, she, she does say that Billy was her favorite, but she doesn't say, oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm back with him. She's just like, oh, well, you know, he's he's a lovely, lovely lad, isn't he? Yeah, I, I feel like he's been friend-zoned quite strongly by Sonny here. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Bart Gunn heads to ringside as Billy is fighting against Freddie Doe Floyd and his feelings for Sonny. And Bart starts arguing with Billy and Sonny at the commentary table. Billy's gone over to almost defend Sonny. And, and, poli- and referees have stepped in between the two. Billy is saying, I've got her. I don't need you. You're nothing. And Bart is telling Billy to get in the ring. You get in the ring. I think telling him to concentrate on the match mm, as a tag yeah. partner. But Billy doesn't seem that interested in doing that. Yeah, because they'd had, they'd had a breakup angle at the Superstars tapings which uh, I think was shown at the beginning of this match of um, it was the guns taken on the new rockers and Billy just goes, ah, fooey and walks out and leaves Bart on his own. So 
they've split now basically that's them done uh, eventually yeah. billy does get back into the ring he sends freddie joe floyd crashing to the outside so he can uh, jaw jack a bit more with bart gun who's being dragged away by referees uh, this gives freddie a little a little moment to capitalize gets a few shots in on billy but tonight it belongs to billy gun he knocks down freddie joe floyd and hits a top rope leg drop for the one two three uh, this feels like they're getting billy gun ready for a solo run um and i like this you know um the match was nothing special, but like Billy Gunn and Freddie Joe Floyd are both good workers. They did the most of their time. But it, again, it's the running thread of this episode of Raw. It felt chaotic. It was just like, here's Bart, and we've got to separate them from the refs with the refs, and Billy's calling them out from the middle of the ring. And it was like, oh, this is quite heated. This is good. I mean, my clairvoyant powers are saying this is, you know, not going to fucking go anywhere. But still, <laughs> in this moment in time, I, I really liked it. Uh, we get from there back to Brett and Austin's picture in picture. Bless them. They've been waiting there the whole time. Austin staring <laughs> daggers at Brett on her little monitor off to his right. And Brett just smiling very sweetly. The kids have now gone. He got bored. We've seen Brett's cat. We've seen Brett's kids. We will now just see Brett. I miss <laughs> the cat. Uh, Vince asks Brett what led him to come back to the WWF and Brett basically said he was always going to come back but he spent 12 years without a break and it's taken his toll which meant I wanted to take some time off uh, he says that Steve Austin had no sway on his return to the WWF Austin scoffs at the idea of that being the case Brett says he doesn't think Austin has what it takes to kick his ass and he says he's better than ever uh, Vince says would it have been a wise move to accept a match with a quote lesser talent to shake off the ring rust. Brett says he doesn't care. He wants to accomplish a lot of things in the WWF. And what better way to start than with a match against the best in the WWF right now, Sean but Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin tells Brett that he'll have to kill him and declares himself the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Brett is very calm and collected, almost bored. He starts <laughs> talking, saying, everybody thinks I'm going to come back and clean up the World Wrestling Federation. But the fact is, and Vince jumps in. Right, cheers, Brett. We've got to go. Bye. Austin kind of screams about it being his house now as they cut back to the ring. Austin, oh, they, before they cut away from Brett, Austin is livid about being counted down at the end of this section by a producer. So we stay on Austin as he steps away from the interview area and just beats the shit out of a production crew member, trashes a monitor, throws a ladder around, just destroys the studio to end uh, our back and forth between Brett and Austin. Jackie Orlando, your thoughts on the meeting of the minds between Brett and Austin? Like, like we've established, Brett isn't comfortable on the mic. He made some all right points through the filter of Bret Hart. Uh, the fact that Austin was here made it stronger. I, I imagine you hated this less than you hated Bret on his own last week because Austin was there to kind of keep it on point. Uh, I like the fact that it is the kind of clash of styles of the like absolute apoplectic Austin, the kind of, you know, the, the, the sportsman that is Bret Hart. But this was Steve. Steve, this feels, we've been saying, you know, the, the prototype of Steve Austin, first time he hit the stunner, first time he was called Stone Cold, we've marked the first time he said, that's the bottom line, Austin 316, etc. This is the first time where it's felt like, okay, we've got Stone Cold Steve Austin now. This one episode has put him over massively. 
and this was fantastic. He hung with Brett um, and, you know, beat him on the mic, which isn't hard, but at the same time, it's still Brett Hart. To the average fan, you're just like, oh, God, I, I don't know who's going to win here, if you know what I mean. So this was this was class. And then him just, again, the, the kind of wobbly camera, like this wasn't meant to happen, where Austin starts beating the shit out of some little geek and smashing monitors. Fantastic. I think you're, Fantastic. The, the, a lot of great points there. It is Austin absolutely becoming a superstar in front of our very eyes here i mm. think uh he outclassed brett on the mic here like you say it's not a big thing but what i also enjoyed was that difference in style where austin is very animated and angry and brett hart is kind of barely in the room i think because brett knows that his talking is going to be done in the ring so he doesn't yeah. really put much into this it feels like Bret Hart is returning. When it comes to like this part of the sports entertainment package, Bret Hart is a bit of man out of time here. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a time period that now with promos, you get like 10, 15 seconds. It's all about hitting markers and hitting points. And I don't feel like Bret is in it for that. We kind of got the vibe of that last week with his promo. And here again, it just felt like he. a part of it was like them i think a big part of it was the direction i think they should have had a clear idea of their in and out and i feel like they were uh, given some freedom Mm. but there should have been a clear point of an out and i don't think there was i think vince should have jumped in at the end of austin's statement and uh, you know before brett started talking about i'm here to clean up the world rest and went off on something else completely i think brett vince should have jumped in and gone all right survivor series thanks very much brett we'll see you soon that's where they should have jumped in because it just because there were two occasions here where Brett was just drowned out and just cut off and I just think it didn't do Brett any favors. Yeah, especially because Vince McMahon knows him very well. He's had him for twelve years now. I mean, isn't the thing with Hart that the reason that Brett started wearing sunglasses was because when he first started doing backstage promos with the Hart Foundation, he was uncomfortable. Mm. So he he just doesn't like being on the mic. He just likes wrestling. So it's just like if you know that, then. Yeah, he's one of your biggest stars. Kind of help him out. Don't leave him out there to kind of sink or swim, kind of thing. Yeah, he should he should have helped him out a bit more there because I feel like Brett felt mm-hmm. a little bit outclassed, a lot outclassed by Steve Austin here. But yeah, they can definitely. paint that in a different way when they get to the show. Um, Raw is sponsored by Foot Action, Sega Saturn, and the Army. In that order, <laughs> if you're interested. And here's a fuck ma- Mary Kill. <laughs> <laughs> Or as they would later go on to be known, Foot King, Video Game King, and Fight King. <laughs> By its new owner, the British Bulldog in the main Yay! event! Come on, Davey! Not, not only Davey Boy, but he was also accompanied by Owen Hart, who had his hair side-parted like a little boy. <laughs> he did, didn't he? He had a lovely haircut. Like he'd just come from taking a photo with his slammy. Uh, Owen's on commentary with his slammy. For Bulldog's main event night out against his old rival, Shawn Michaels. Uh, we mm. hear, we go backstage where Austin's talking shite to a security card. He's still raging, but back at WWF HQ is Austin. Jerry Lawler broke jokes that it's Richard Jewell, the guy who alerted the officials to the Olympic bombing in 1996. Weird topical joke, but there it is. Wow, yeah, of course, yeah. I had to look at Richard <laughs> Jewell and see who that was. Like, oh, okay, it's the guy who talked about the bombing, right. Okay, well done. Uh, we're told as the match gets underway that Raw is going to be one hour earlier next week. And yes. Things like that can always do 
uh, harm to the ratings. Even a slight change of plans do slight harm to the ratings. They're trying to get ahead of it, and they're trying to super load that show. One with a big segment involving Brian Pillman, and one with a major title match, which we'll talk about at the end. Uh, which we yeah. do announce uh, a lot of stalling at the start of this one before bulldog military press flapjacks uh sean michaels similar move to the one that crushed it in his match earlier on tonight damn it Delo. uh vince tells us that wwf uh tells us that police are en route to the wwf studios to apprehend steve austin because he's still fucking fighting people back there <laughs> fuck the main event i want to i want a camera there where steve austin's just trashing the offices yeah we get a commercial for WWF the music. Um, oh, yeah. this, this didn't, I wasn't comfortable with this. No. So it's Freddie Blassie and he says, okay, then let me see what you've got. And it's a little kid basically doing a drag act of like their favorite superstars. But the first one is like Freddie Blassie saying, let me see what you've got. As this eight-year-old boy is dressed like Shawn Michaels dancing and he like, Ooh, ah, mm, that doesn't look great. <laughs> no. And then he moves on and does The Undertaker and yeah. Goldust. Like, you get like a half second beat of him dressed as Goldust. All, and, all while Freddie Blassie is watching through the, through, the, through the glass. And then I was laughing my head off because it cuts back to the in-ring action and, and Vince on commentaries goes, police are on the way to the WWF studios. And it's like, <laughs> I was like, for who? Austin or Freddy? Jesus Christ. <laughs> We've apprehended Freddy then. <laughs> I won't say it. Just c- cuts back and they're just tasering him without mercy. <laughs> I just wanted to see what he's got. <laughs> Freddy Blassie's getting his hard drive checked as we speak. Um, he's not. He's, he's not. He's not. Just watch that segment. You'll get us. Just yeah. want to make that clear. <laughs> Yeah, we're not saying anything. We're just saying it looked like it could have been something bad. I doubt Blassie even had a computer. He probably just had notepads full of stuff. Yeah, he didn't even have a typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine looking at porn on a typewriter. Um. <laughs> just writes the words boobs a lot and starts chuckling <laughs> to himself. <laughs> Tits. Busters. <laughs> Uh, back from the break, Bulldog is keeping Michaels at bay. At one point, he counters a crucifix pin with a Samoa drop. Lovely. Mm, I doubt Bulldog's yeah. been to Samoa. Might have been. A little tease for maybe The Rock's debut. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, why not? The Samoan's <laughs> coming in, and I'm going to drop him. And he's he's asked me if I could smell what he's cooking. I was like, fuck off. No, <laughs> you can't muscle in a mat if you little bastard. <laughs> Smell what I'm cooking, eh? That could be a good catchphrase. <laughs> Diana, write it down. I've only got the typewriter. There's, just, there's a piece of paper jammed in it. It just says boobs over and over. <laughs> can you taste what David Boy's eating? No, uh, that wasn't it. Can uh, you Can you listen to what I'm looking at? No, fuck. Um, can, can, can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you see... What I see. (laughs) Michaels lands a desperation flying elbow in the bottom of the ninth on Bulldog King. Michaels dodges a running purr slam and lands a body slam and then a diving elbow. He goes for a sweet cheer music, but Owen jumps out of the commentary table and grabs Sean's leg. And the referee astutely goes right out of DQ straight away. 
Well, that's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, the tag champs, Owen and Bulldog, get in the ring and start beating up Shawn Michaels. But then to even the odds, here comes a soaking wet Sid Vicious. Psycho Sid, rather. Soaking, sodden. Honestly. He's, he's so mad, he's been outside flying a kite in the rain. And he's just like, go on, you bastard. Is that why he's so wet? Yeah. He was like, go on, electrocute me, you shit. <laughs> He's dripping. Oh, God. He is literally beef dripping. (laughs) (laughs) Beef dripping psycho Sid. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry he didn't slip over. Yeah, he he wasn't even like ambling gingerly as well. He went full pelt while covered in piss. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was. Uh, He charges to the ring and helps even the odds. He sends Owen and Bulldog packing. And very similar to the showdown we had with Sean and Sid last week, they start arguing mm. over, like, hey, I'm fine. I don't need you to help me. And there's a little bit of tension between them. Owen smells the tension, so therefore says, hey, you two can't get on, so how about next week you fight me and Bulldog for the tag team titles? And Bulldog probably goes, what? What? Fuck off. They're massive. But I, I like the fact though uh, Owen sells this wet, uh, well because then Sid does his big gormless happy face. He's like, oh, Sean, we can go for the gold. And they go, all right, yeah, and shake hands. And it cuts back to Owen and Owen's like, oh God, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like a good idea when they weren't getting on. And then Bulldog's just chatting. Wham is just like, oh, give that. Like, oh, Get out of my house. Stop ringing my wife. <laughs> You had sex with my wife. No, that's done now. Oh, sorry. Sid, can I have a play with your kite, please? <laughs> Why are you so wet, man? What have you been doing? You looks, you'll catch a death. Get, get, a, get, a, get a shawl on or something. Last time I was, I remember being that wet in public. It was, I was in the shower and I'd forgotten Tuesday or bin day. So I had to run down <laughs> and gritty butt bin out. But I had to drive. fell over. I hurt my knee, and uh, Diana it took her a good four hours to calm me down. <laughs> I just sat on the sofa, just angry. My knee's hurting. <laughs> I'm wet. Can I have a cherry bake? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got any, Dave. Could you go to shop and get one? <laughs> Not now, Dave. I can't. I've got to get to work. Oh, what a this, this is poo. This is poo. This is. <laughs> you don't even love me. I do love you. If you love me, you tell work, fuck off. Go get me a cherry bakewell. <laughs> I'll bring you one later. I want one, one later. <laughs> what one now? Davey, do I have to go get Tom to tell you off? He's watching Topless Darts. Oh, you shit. know he doesn't like being interrupted. <laughs> oh, he loves his Topless Darts. Shit. All right, fine. Leave it. What was that? What was that? Nothing. What did you say? Mm. I wish I hadn't married you. Yeah. Don't mean it. Can we go? I love to, you. Love you. Can we go to the park <laughs> when you finish. <laughs> when I finish, yes. All right. Can you carry me upstairs uh, <laughs> so I can watch my Top Cat video, please? <laughs> I don't want to watch it down here. I don't want to answer the door. <laughs> But upstairs, the door goes. I'll just pretend I'm out. <laughs> if, if, if I'm allowed down here, he'll, he'll look through the window like he normally does. 
<laughs> and you'll see him there and you'll go, God, Davey, you lazy bastard. I'll have to answer the door to Uncle John. <laughs> I don't like Uncle don't John. Like... He smells weird. <laughs> His house burnt down. <laughs> <laughs> He's telling me about Freddy's hard drive. <laughs> He's writing boobs on typewriters. <laughs> Don't do that. Diana will see. Where have you gone? Oh, she's gone to work. <laughs> he just sat there chuntering to himself as Diane's left. He's just talking to the mirror. And he's just like, oh, Diane, you look gorgeous. Oh, no, wait. That's, that's me again. Oh, uh, oh, that is me. I can't see. I can't wait to see what I look like in the mirror tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Take her back. <laughs> so uh, this was a good oh, match, yeah, wasn't it? Event, so. Yeah. <laughs> so they had a good match. They had a fun match. This Sean and Bulldog. Yeah. They they got a nice chemistry together. They put together a nice little main event. Shawn Michaels gets put over as the hardest working champion in the history of champions. Yeah, you know, and uh, if yeah, if 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 in doubt, put Michaels versus Bulldog on. It's always going to be good. You're not going to lose viewers, are you? No, every week. Do that every week. It'll be fine. You again. <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> so thoughts on Raw in general? Um, Excellent. Because we, we had just before we went off the air after the match finished, we saw a little bit more of Steve Austin, didn't we? Oh, shit. Yes, we did. Yeah. As, as the show ends, uh, Steve Austin shenanigans finally catch up with him because he's led out of the WWF studios by the police security guards lead him out and there's police with the blues and twos lights on uh, waiting mm-hmm. for him and they're sort of talking to him very calmly he hasn't been handcuffed yet but he's certainly in a lot of trouble with the police for being a naughty boy and he says once again he was like Vince McMahon won't let anything happen to me he's not even asked that's so. it that's, and Vince is a bit shocked by that line on commentary he sort of you can hear the reaction in his voice but he doesn't quite he doesn't address it almost yeah but yeah but, that's, um, that's peeled it right back but yeah, this this was an excellent show. Um, they packed in a lot, and whereas they've done it in previous weeks and it's felt scattergun and like too much, this was a really good balance of all right in ring action. Main event was very good, but like we said, we had what Jesse James versus Salvatore Sincere, which was eh. But the thread all along was Steve Austin is not happy and something bad's going to happen. And this was the first time he felt like a major star. And as Dave himself put in the Observer, he put Austin's working really hard to get his character over and it seems to have broken him out of the pack into a genuine headliner. Good hand in the mid card, no more, it seems. No, this is the beginning of the genesis of Stephen Williams as Stone Cold Steve Austin. It felt like the Steve Austin show, as it should be. Yeah. Uh, they, Whilst there was no major panic to get Austin up to Bret Hart's level... I feel like a show like this truly galvanizes that he is and, yeah. and and paints him as something that is so different from anything else in the company. Just this psychopathic, arrogant, angry beast who isn't afraid just to, to flip off authority. And this is this is the guy that's going to change wrestling. I yeah. mean, he already is. Like, this show feels alive because of Steve Austin. Yeah. But... Like- it's even at this point, though, like we've known for a little while since Beware of Dog, Vince McMahon has thought Austin's good. We can build this guy. I mean, even Vince McMahon on his cockiest day wouldn't have been able to predict that this would become the biggest star 
in the history of the sport. It's ridiculous, but this was this was great. This was one of the best roles we've watched. Ah, oh, it's been good, isn't it? It's been a good mm. one. It's been a good one. All eyes. I, I, are, are you... What era are you saying now? New generation. Are you still saying still new generation? New generation. Mm. I, I, we're not in the attitude era yet. It's still new generation. We have an extra character in it. Like, look, putting Rodney Trotter in Frasier doesn't make it only fools and horses. Yeah, but this week we had profanity. We've got Stone Cold Steve Austin. We've got Pilmanized. Next week, Pilman will go a bit mad. We've got the Nation of Domination starting. We've... Uh, it's there because I've looked it up online to see what the general consensus is, and a lot of people say it doesn't become the attitude era until Vince gives his speech on Raw, and for me that's far too late. Yeah, I think, um, but I think, I, yeah, I want to make a point to say before that it becomes the attitude era. Yeah, before that speech, but I think right now, I think this is new generation two point mm. If anything, I would not say attitude era yet. Okay, okay, standing by it, damn it. <laughs> I'm well, that's stopping. Good. Be a man of your convictions and stand by that. I, 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 I respect I am that. a convicted man. <laughs> but for me, if I was doing a, a timeline of the Attitude Era, this would be included, included in it. Do you know what? At classicacultaholic.com. Tell us when yeah, the Attitude it, Era began. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's open it up. Let's open it up to the, the peons. <laughs> <laughs> unless unless they unless they agree with me in which case they're my close personal friend <laughs> that's a good cult holic.com and until we're next back together he's Brad Atkins on Twitter I've had Tom Gamble on X together we're at cultaholic on everything else don't forget to join us don't check Freddie Blassie's typewriter and love you bye how many O's and boobs <laughs> as many as you like Freddie <laughs> <laughs>Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 